Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Thank God for the Word that's eternal. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the Word of God will live on forever throughout eternity. And we thank God for His holy written Word. For me, next week is going to be our celebration of freedom, if that's okay with you, because it's on my heart to, to finally do this message that I've been wanting to do for quite some time. Last week, we talked about the Holy Ghost, and that's where all the power comes from. That's the powerhouse, the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. And this morning, we're going to continue that study and talk about speaking in tongues. That okay with you? All right, so in Mark 16, verses 17 and 18, I'm sure we're familiar with this text, these two verses of Scripture. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We see five things connected to the powerful name of Jesus. Is the name of Jesus for today? Well, if it's the names for today, are those five things connected to the name for the today? Well, they would have to be. His name has not diminished in power whatsoever. But now notice, he's talking about these five things. We're going to focus on one, speaking in tongues. But remember this, he's talking about these things happening in the setting where the gospel is being preached. Not where people are engaging themselves in playing, handling snakes and drinking, drinking battery acid like some people do, which is presumptuous. People have taken things to an extreme and do things that, that are not really revealed to us in Scripture just to prove a point. But you know what? We should never be foolish or presumptuous. Jesus didn't jump off on the mountain because an angel was going to pick him up and bear him up in, his, in their hands, right? He understood you don't tempt the Lord your God. And we should never either. So we're talking about speaking in tongues. And first of all, first and foremost, I know there are different attitudes when you hear that spoken. The first one is going to be from the Pentecostals. And the charismatics. And they're shouting in their seats right now. Praise God. He's talking about speaking in tongues. Glory be to God. But the second one is one of horror and terror. People are terrified of all the times I came to church with a new person. And he's talking about speaking in tongues. Are you kidding me? Don't be afraid. We're just going to read the Bible. We're going to share some scriptures that maybe you haven't seen before. But if you came with an open heart, don't be don't be alarmed. It's all scriptural. And we're going to put it together in a nice little package. And it will enlighten you, I believe. But then you got that third group. They're perplexed. Huh? Like, what? I've been in church for 40 years and I haven't heard anything like that. I know they jumped over those chapters. You didn't get that, did you? <laughs> they jumped over those chapters. They skipped those chapters and those verses. Then you got the nonchalance. <laughs> We might have some nonchalance. Well, they, they believe in it and they see that it's there, but they're not aggressively pursuing it. Just take it as a, in a nonchalant way, just a relaxed way. Okay? All right. Important observations. Number one, if you don't speak in tongues, don't be alarmed. That doesn't make you an inferior Christian. If you've been born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, you heard earlier, you are a masterpiece. Praise God. Aren't you glad for that? You're not an inferior Christian at all. Number two, if you don't speak in tongues, does that mean you're not saved? Doesn't mean that at all. But some, some 
circles preach that. Well, if you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking tongues, you're not saved. That's not true. You're very much saved, washed in the blood of the Lamb. We see that in Scripture when Paul said, well, or John and Peter were sent down to Samaria because they heard that they were saved and baptized in water, but they sent Peter and John to go lay hands on them to receive the Holy Ghost. So apparently they were saved, right? But then they came and they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And so you are saved. And then, next thing is, it's your choice. It's your choice. Number one, have you accepted Christ as your Savior? That's called salvation. Did you make a decision to do that? That was your choice. Everybody say salvation. Okay, number two. Did you get baptized in water yet since you've been saved? That's a decision that you have to make. And you should make. You should be baptized in water because Jesus was. And he gave us an example to follow, right? But what does water baptism basically do? It's called identification. You choose to identify with the death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Christ, right? Absolutely. So everybody say identification. Salvation, identification, and then number three, you can receive the Holy Ghost. To receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues is called impartation. Impartation. He said, you shall receive miracle working power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Not before, but after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses and so on. But number three is impartation. So say with me, salvation is first, right? Salvation is first. Second, identification that's second and then third impartation the empowerment from on high the dunamis power from on high as jesus said you'll be filled with the holy ghost and power dunamis miracle working power so that kind of establishes the setting for us now as we look at this ministry of tongues and if you recall in first corinthians chapter 12 it's called diversities of tongues everybody say diversities which means different kinds of tongues so if there's different kinds, that means there's more than one. Right? Different kinds of tongues. You will not understand the subject of speaking in tongues until you understand that there are three different kinds of tongues spoken of in the Bible. And what many have done, they've kind of mixed them all up or don't even recognize that there's three. And as a result, they only single out one and say, see, see what he said here, see what he said there. We're going to make it very plain and very simple. Three times. The first one, sign tongues. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. This is called sign tongues. Wherefore tongues are for a sign. Not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serves not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. In his teaching on tongues, he talks about sign tongues. And if you go back to the book of Acts in chapter 2, what you find out is on the day of Pentecost, when they got filled with the Holy Ghost and power, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were others that were listening to them speak and glorify God in this language that they never learned or they never knew. And it was a sign to them. So everybody say sign tongues. Sign tongues. All right. But then secondly, ministry tongues. So remember, number one, sign tongues. Number two, ministry tongues. Let's go once again to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Look at verse 5. I would that you all spake with tongues, but rather that you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesied than he that speaks with tongues, except, there's an exception, he interpret, that the church may receive edifying. Ministry tongues need to be interpreted. Isn't this something that we had an example of that here in our church service today? One gave tongues and one gave interpretation. 
Okay, that's called ministry tongues, and it's important to recognize that. So there are sign tongues, there are ministry tongues that need to be interpreted, and then number three, there are devotional tongues. Look at 1 Corinthians 14 again, verses 2 through 4. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaks not to men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he that prophesies speaks unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. But he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Edifies whom? Himself. But he that prophesies edifies the church. So here we have these tongues, devotional tongues. And what are they used for? Self-edification. Anybody here need charged up? Anybody here charge up your uh, cell phone during the night? Or during the day? Why? You want to use it? You charge it up. Anybody here drive a car and the alternator didn't work? What happened when your battery died? Were you happy that you set, tried to start it up? Nothing happened? Then you thought it was just the battery, but it was your alternator? So we understand that if it's not charged up, and it's not working right, you're not going to get very far in your car if the battery's dead. Isn't it something that God gave us a way to charge ourselves up spiritually and draw from that kind of spiritual power, but yet people are afraid of it? No wonder he wants you to be unplugged from the power of the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues because the enemy doesn't want you charged up. He doesn't want you built up. He doesn't want you edified. So there are three kinds of tongues. Sign tongues, ministry tongues, and devotional tongues, and devotional tongues is the most important of all. It's the most used of all. And guess where you do these devotional tongues? In your devotional time. Right? Not publicly. You do your praying in tongues out there when you're walking across the country. 3,500 miles. And you're believing God. And you're thanking Him for a new tongue. Can you say Amen. Now, there's two categories of prayer. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 14, and 15. We're going to, like I said, put it together in a neat little package so we can give as much understanding as we possibly can on this subject because it's so important to the believer's life. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my head prays, my, reason, my reasoning prays. <clears throat> Thank you for that update, Aaron. I appreciate that. What prays when I pray in an unknown tongue? Oh, my spirit prays. But my understanding is what? Does that tell you that you're praying out of your spirit and your head doesn't know what you're saying? Yeah, that's exactly what it's saying. You're praying from your spirit, not from your head. Now, number one, so prayer in the spirit is when your spirit is praying. Praying in tongues is when your spirit is praying. Number two, you can pray with your understanding. So what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. In the Amplified, it says, I'll pray by the, in the Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit within me. In other words, the Holy Spirit taking hold together with my Spirit, there's a cooperative act between the two, and I begin to pray with other tongues out of my Spirit. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will. Notice the I will. I will. I will sing with the understanding also. So there's a way to pray with the understanding, and there's a way to pray in the Spirit. So... That being said, let me ask some questions. Is it possible that our spirit knows more 
than what our head knows. Is that a possibility? I believe it is. You know why? Look at Romans 8, 26 and 27. Our spirit knows a whole lot more than what our head knows. Likewise, the spirit also helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself or himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered or articulated and he that searches the heart knows what is the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God did you get that so when you pray in other tongues for a certain situation you realize you are engaging your spirit which is where the Holy Spirit leads there's a cooperative act between your spirit and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is helping us pray out certain things that go beyond our understanding. We wouldn't even know what to pray or how to pray. We can pray according to understanding, according to the word. But that's it. We could be limited in our understanding. Because you see, the Spirit knows a whole lot more. Okay, look at the next one. Is it possible that we've maybe been defeated in some circumstances of life because we haven't used this powerful piece of our Christian armor. Ephesians 6 and verse 18. Look at what it says. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Paul said, when I pray in tongues, I pray with my Spirit or in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for our sa all saints. This was part of our Christian armor. And you know what? When I hear people teach on the subject, many times they leave that part out. That's a part of our Christian armor. That we can pray in the Holy Ghost. We can pray in the Spirit out of our spirit. And when we pray out of our spirit, we engage the Holy Spirit. And praise God, He knows a whole lot more than we do about a certain situation. So it's important to know that. And then next, is it possible that we can build up ourselves on our most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost? Yes, look at Jude, uh, Jude 1.20. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. What's praying in the Holy Ghost? Someone says, well, that's praying with this a lot more fervor. Really? That's not what the Bible says. Paul said, if I pray in tongues, I, my spirit prays. Praying in the Holy Ghost is the prayer language that the Spirit of God gives us when we're baptized with the Holy Ghost. And everyone, devotionally speaking, can speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. And so, for example, if you want to pray for our nation, 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from wicked ways, I would hear from them and forgive their sin and heal their land, right? So, Father, I'm praying... And, and I'm believing, we're standing in faith for our nation. We're believing your hand is upon our, our government officials, our political leaders, and that you are touching their hearts, turning their hearts, whithersoever you will. I am praying out in English, but how many of you know, I don't know what's happening behind closed doors. I don't know what's going on in the Oval Office. I don't know what's taking place. I don't know the strategy of the enemy to bring down America. All right? We know it comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But once I get done praying in English and I say, praise God, I'm thanking you for moving in this land, this land, creating a national revival, keeping us safe, protecting us from sea to shining sea, praise God. Now I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, take hold together with me. Help me to pray out your perfect will for this nation. And then you start praying in the Holy Ghost. Guess what? By faith, you've taken a step deeper into praying for this nation. 
or your family or your loved one, your child, your children, your, your marriage, whatever, your finances, your job, whatever, you pray out in English what you know to pray, which is your reasoning, your understanding, but then you take it the next step and you pray in the Holy Ghost, believing the Holy Ghost will take hold together with you against your inability to re- produce results, and you pray out in the Spirit, and it, I'll tell you what, it takes you to another dimension. I told you last week my testimony of my daughter when she fell 10 feet and was lying on the floor in a pool of blood. And I told you how she was lying there. I was just recently saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, myself teaching a Bible study. It was upstairs. I heard her hit the floor. And all of a sudden, I see my daughter, three and a half year old daughter, lying there like that with blood coming out of her eyeball. And she can't stand and she can't walk. And we took her. I carried her into the living room, which was right around the corner. And I laid her down. And, and, the, per- and the team came with me. We laid hands on her. And I start praying in the Holy Ghost. And when I tell you, praying in the Holy Ghost, you, you see your daughter in that condition, you're going to pray. How do you know what to pray? I didn't know what to pray out of my understanding, but I got, I went off in tongues. I was speeding. I could have been arrested. I was, you think I'm talking fast? I could have been arrested. I'm going a hundred mile an hour praying in other tongues. When all of a sudden the Holy Ghost came on me, lifted up my head. I looked up in the air and said, now she's healed. Let's go finish the Bible study. I shocked myself. I shocked them. They were, they probably were thinking, call 911, get an ambulance here. In the natural, that's what you would do. And I'm not saying I wouldn't do it in the natural. But was the Holy Ghost came on me, special faith in operation. Long story short, she was completely healed by the power of God. And miraculously, I mean miraculously healed by the power of God. And you know what? I attribute that to praying in the Holy Ghost at a time of an emergency. And well, what power of God was in manifestation. Okay, next, a pure language. I don't know if you've ever seen this in the Bible before, but look at Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 9. This is from the New King James Version of the Bible. For then I will restore to the peoples a pure language that they all may call on the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. Wait a minute. He'll restore. He'll restore. What's restore mean? It means to restore means to return, right? Or to take it back to a former state. Well, what's he talking about? What is this former language? Restore the people to a pure language. Go back to the book of Genesis chapter 11. Quickly we'll see this. We'll see exactly what it is. The whole earth was of... Everybody say it. Hard to remember to think about that, isn't it? Wouldn't that be nice? We know. Have you tried to talk to somebody from a... Let's say from a different um, ethnicity. And you're trying to talk to them. They're looking at you. You have no idea what they're saying. They have no idea what you're saying. And you're just going on and on and on. Then you think, if I just talk louder. (laughs) Have you done that? Say it louder. Then they can understand. You get my point, right? And it came to pass as they journeyed from east, east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, go to let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, go to let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city which the to- and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, behold... The people is one, and they have all one language. And this 
they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to let us go down and confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So what language were they speaking? Was it Spanish? Russian? No. Was it Hebrew? Hebrew nation didn't come into being until chapter 12. So what were they speaking? This pure language they must have been speaking that the Lord was talking about. Could it be possible that it was a heavenly language that they were speaking? And when they spoke this language, everybody understood? Well, whatever it was, you know, God saw it as a threat. He saw its power and impact. And so what does he do? He confounds the languages so that people cannot go off and do these crazy things. Because when they can communicate like that, there's power in that. So he confounds their language. Is it possible in Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 that here we see the beginning of the fulfillment of Zephaniah's prophecy by the Spirit that he's going to restore a pure language to the people? Let's read it in Acts chapter 2. Beginning at verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now we have the Holy Ghost coming upon these people, and they are speaking a heavenly language. They're speaking a language given by the Spirit. Is that the beginning of the fulfillment of the prophecy of Zephaniah? Regardless, we know they're speaking a language that they never learned, that they have never, don't understand. They could never speak that language on their own. Of course, unless they took the time to learn it. But we see something happening here. He's going to restore to the peoples a pure language. You realize it takes faith to pray in the Holy Ghost. And when you by faith pray in the Holy Ghost, you're praying out a perfect, pure language. That you're not speaking to men as 1 Corinthians 14 said. You're speaking to God and you're speaking divine secrets. Did you know he gave us a way to pray out his perfect will for our lives by praying in the Holy Ghost? But you see, what has happened is the devil has done crazy things to make Christians think that, oh, that's of the devil. And if you grew up in a church where they talked about that's of the devil, you think it's of the devil. He's got you exactly where he wants you. He's limiting your prayer life to your own understanding. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine that limitation? Doesn't matter how bright or brilliant we are. We can't compare to going beyond the natural world that we live in to the spiritual realm and what man knows out there, what Adam knew from the very beginning, and what God knows. Look at the pattern just to show you how biblical this is. Look at, we're not going to show you the scripture again because we just read the scripture. But number one among the Jews, we just saw it right there at the, on the day of Pentecost. And remember the seven feast days? And they defined what? God's redemptive plan for man. They revealed God's de- redemptive plan for man. The Passover, Jesus was crucified. Uh, unleavened bread, he became sin for us. Then, ta- then, uh, on the first fruits, he was raised up from the dead. And then the fourth spring feast, which was Pentecost, they all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. Now we're living in this period that we call the harvest time. Next one's going to be trumpets. When the trumpet sounds, the rapture takes place. We're out of here. And then the day of atonement, 
We've already received the atonement, but the Orthodox Jew hasn't. So it's going to be to them a day of atonement because they're going to see the blood. Of, they're going to accept the blood of Jesus. And then tabernacles, which God tabernacles on earth among men in the 1,000 year millennial reign of Christ. Well, Pentecost has already taken place. And the Holy Spirit has already been given. And how was it given in the, among the Jews? On the day of Pentecost, we just read it. Holy Ghost came upon them and each one had a cloven tongue like as a fire that sat upon every one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, our Lord. They all spoke with other tongues. And that was a new prayer language, a devotional language that he gave to them as well as a sign. Okay, so number two, there's Jews and there's only Gentiles, the only other group of people upon the earth. Acts chapter 10 reveals to us that this house called the uh, house of Cornelius Receive the Holy Ghost. Let's read it. Acts chapter 10, verse 44 through 46. While Peter went to the house of Cornelius, and he, he talked about the resurrection of Jesus and the gospel. He spake these words. The Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision, or the Jews, which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter. Why? Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know that? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then answered Peter, should not these be baptized in water that have received the Holy Ghost just as we did? So that's the second time. First among the Jews, second among the Gentiles. What happens here? They're filled with the Holy Ghost. And when they are, what happens? They speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives us. Look at number three in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. Here we have uh, Paul at Ephesus. Acts chapter 19. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, said to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He, see, he believed you could be saved and not have the Holy Ghost. And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether to be a Holy Ghost, any Holy Ghost. And he said to them, well, Unto what were you baptized? They said to John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. This is nearly 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And notice once again the pattern that's laid out here. Look how important it was to the Apostle Paul to make sure that they were not only saved, but also filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues. So you see, it's a pattern throughout the New Testament church. Look at the next one, the Apostle Paul himself in Acts chapter 9, verse 17, I believe it is. And you'll see that the Apostle Paul, remember, on the Damascus road, how he saw Jesus. And he fell to the ground and all that. His conversion took place. He did a 180. Ananias, when he went his way, went his way, entered into the house and putting his hands on him. That's Paul said, Brother Saul, he became Paul. The Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. He was already saved when he saw Jesus. But now he wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost. Someone says, but it doesn't say he spoke in tongues. I'm glad you said that. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 18. I thank my God. I speak with tongues. More than you all. He was from the south. More than you all. Southern Tarsus is where he came from. Now, here we have the Apostle Paul. Now, wait a minute. Let's really show you. Let's highlight this. He is saying, I speak in tongues more than you all. He's talking to the most tongue-talking church there is in the world. 
These people are so caught up in talking with other tongues. He had to give them correction about praying in the Holy Ghost. And explain the three different kinds of tongues. Sign tongues, ministry tongues, and devotional tongues. He said, let everything be done decently and in order. 1 Corinthians 12, the power, the power uh, chapter with the gifts. 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Love, the buffer. It's in between. And then 14, order. He's a God of power, God of love, and God of order. He puts order in with regard to praying in tongues and operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Right? And so what does Paul say? I speak in tongues more than you all. Which is a tremendous thing for him to say. So apparently he really valued praying with other tongues, didn't he? I remember Brother Hagin saying that he did 90% of his praying in other tongues. Why? Because the Spirit knows more than he does. The Spirit knows more than you do, than I do. And when you pray in the Holy Ghost, praise God, you're just relying on the Holy Ghost. Now, for those that are perplexed this morning, I've got something for you. Acts chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. And once again... I believe it's the NIV translation. Um, this took place on the day of Pentecost when they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke with other tongues. Amazed and perplexed. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. Perplexed. Baffled. What in the world is all this? I've been in church for all these years. I was in church for 24 years. I never heard there was a Holy Ghost either. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine you ever see that before perplexed baffled confused what is this this is crazy i've been in church for all these years i never heard anybody praying tongues speaking tongues talk about tongues other than it's of the devil and it's been done away with it has ceased and all that let me just tell you one thing. I served the Lord for 24 years before I got saved. I mean, I served the devil for 24 years before I got saved. Before I got saved, I served the devil, you know, played in bars and in, in my bands and in bars and all that. Dodge beer bottles and everything else that you can buy. I played for bar mitzvahs. I played for weddings. I played for all kinds of, uh, in, in, including class reunions and all that, you know, and uh, crazy stuff happening. Never once did I speak in tongues. Never once. That's when I was a child of wrath, even as others. I get saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking tongues, and guess what? You're of the devil. What? When I served him, I didn't speak in tongues. Now that I'm serving Jesus, you're saying I'm of the devil because I speak in tongues? We just gave you all the scriptures. And you can see there's more. There's a whole lot more than that. But let, let's answer some questions, or let's just make some corrections as far as false beliefs, and we'll close with this. See... I know it's difficult for under, people to understand. Before I even do that, quickly. It's difficult to understand because it's supernatural and the natural man doesn't understand the things of God. So when you hear something like that, you go, how in the world can somebody speak in another tongue when you never learned it? It's the Holy Ghost who teaches us. And when he comes into our spirit, he gives us this illumination, these, uh, this utterance that rises up and illuminates our minds. And my personal experience, I didn't know this what I wanted. I just got, came out of a denominational church, started going to a full gospel church up in Owls, Ohio. And when I was in that full gospel church, a couple of times I'm in there and I noticed they're having altar calls. Never saw an altar call ever before. And now they're having altar calls. Sat on the front pew, 
I wanted to get right in front and see what was going on. Sat on my hands. Sat on my hands. I wasn't going to lift this. Are you kidding me? I sat on my hands and there was nobody going to make my hand go up in the air like these crazy people, these fanatics that are over here doing all this stuff. My goodness, there's no possible way. I went there another week. And, you know, it was over here. I said, I'm, I'm not going to lift my hands any further than this. No further than this. My hand's going to go up in the air. I was there another week and all of a sudden it was up to here. And before you know it, they were up to here. And I think, oh my goodness, I'm doing what I thought these crazy people are doing. But I, I, I finally, I go up to the altar. It's altar call on a Sunday night service. I'll never forget it. Go up there. And what do you want? I'm hungry for God. I want all that there is. Well, are you baptized in the Holy Ghost? Speak of the other time. I said, no, I'm not. No, I don't even know what that is. Talk about perplexed, confused baffled he goes that's what you want i said it is that's what you want you want more of god i said yeah he says well that's what you want so kneel down right here oh they got a team i was a hard case <laughs> they got a team to work on me they surrounded me i felt so bad afterwards because i knew they wanted to go home and have some lunch or, or some supper or something or a snack after church i kept them 45 minutes overtime <laughs> i'm kneeling down there and and these people say, now re receive the Holy Ghost, brother. I said, okay. My mouth's open. Wide open. And they're praying in tongues as fast as they can. Hands laid on me, surrounding me and all that. Caught a few flies. After 45 minutes... The preacher finally says, are you feeling anything? I said, yeah, my tongue's on fire. He said, well, then speak. I said, why did you tell me that 45 minutes ago? It's been burning for 45 minutes. And then I spoke out with other tongues. And I know there was an impartation, not just of the spirit and other tongues, but also the gift of God that came into my life as far as past, uh, as teaching ministry, pastoral ministry. It all has a, its you know, start. It's beginning somewhere. All right. Let's, let's do this. Number one, there are those that have questions because they've been taught certain things. I want to correct those wrong teachings before we leave. Number one, have tongues ceased? I've been taught that tongues have ceased. Well, look in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. And this is exactly what some do. And they say, well, see, tongues have ceased. And so, boom, you stop right there. And no explanation whatsoever. Well, let's read it and find out if that's exactly what it says. Love never fails. You believe that? But whether there be prophecies, they will fail. Whether there be tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away. So let me ask you a question. Is there still knowledge? Has knowledge been done away? If tongues have been done away, if they have ceased, then so has knowledge been done away. And you can't believe that, can you? We're always ever learning. Aren't we ever learning the things of God? So it hasn't vanished away. Tongues haven't vanished. But you see, here's where they missed it. They didn't understand the three kinds of tongues. And because you understand that, then you're going to come up with a doctrine that's really wrong. Tongues have not ceased. Tongues have not vanished away. There are three manifestations of tongues. You don't have to have a manifestation of ministry tongues in a church service. You don't have to have that. As a matter of fact, did you know you're encouraged to prophesy and not speak in tongues? Unless someone's going to interpret it. So why not just jump ahead and just go to prophecy and do it prophetically? Prophesy. Why? Because everybody understands you when you do it in the English language. That's your native language. You're speaking in, in your, nat your native language. So prophesy. You're prophesying out in your own language. People can understand that. 
Now, when the brother spoke out in tongues, did you understand that? Mm -mm. No, but what do you do? You look within. And when you look within, when if you ever operated in the gift of interpretation, then you, you can hear some things on the inside of you that the Holy Ghost is going to spark and going to bring out. And then you just begin to flow with it. And it just rises up and flows out of you. Number two, it's not for everyone. First Corinthians 12 and verse 30. Let's read that. That's another thing that people have been taught. Well, it's not for everyone. And then you have an attitude that means I don't need it. But that's not true. Have all, have all the gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. So what's he talking about in this setting? He's talking about not everybody has the prophetic gift. Not everybody has the apostolic gift. Not everybody has a teaching gift. Not everybody. These are special gifts. This is another diversity, a diverse manifestation of tongues is this. Not everybody has ministry tongues or sign tongues, but everybody has devotional tongues. So you can have a devotional tongue, but it doesn't mean you're going to be used in a public setting and have ministry tongues. So what he's talking about right there is, does everybody in, uh, speak in tongues uh, in ministry in a, in a public setting? No. Everyone interpret? No. But can everybody pray in tongues devotionally? Absolutely. So you see, you have to understand those three manifestations of tongues in order for you to have a good doctrine and a, and a basis for your faith. Number three, you can't control it. I think some people think that there you are walking through the mall and all of a sudden you walk into one of your favorite stores and all of a sudden you start just rattling off in other tongues, just going 100 mile an hour in other tongues. I can't stop. No, that's not how it works. Remember 1 Corinthians 14 verse, uh, was it 15? Let's throw it, throw it up there. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. Notice the I wills in there. I will, I will. How many of you know that when you walked into that same store, you didn't walk in there and just say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is. Don't stop me, I just can't stop now. Does that happen to you ever? No. So that means that if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're speaking other tongues, doesn't mean it's going to come on you and you can't stop what you're doing. You control the gift. The gift doesn't control you. So don't be afraid of that. And then number uh, four, if it's God's will, it'll happen to me. <laughs> well, is it God's will for all men to be saved? Are they all saved? Is it, all, is it God's will for all men to be baptized in water after you become a Christian too? Are they all? Is everybody filled with the Holy Ghost? No, but it's because you have to receive by faith. Just like anything else. To receive Christ is by faith. Salvation. To be baptized in water is by faith. Identification. To receive the Holy Ghost by faith. Impartation. The power of God comes into your life. Do you ever have to do that to make heaven? Absolutely not. The only one you have to do to make heaven is make Christ your Savior and your Lord. And get washed in His precious blood. The others are once again optional on your part. But what is the suggestion from the, the Lord? Do it. Everybody should be filled with the Holy Ghost. Talked about that last week. And then look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 2. This only what I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. What is the answer? By the hearing of faith. So if you've been taught it's of the devil, you're going to run from it. If you've been taught it has ceased, you're not going to pursue it. If you've been taught that all these things have vanished away, you're not going to go after it. And especially if it's of the devil... But here's the thing. It's a cooperative effort between you and the Holy Ghost. And when you get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak out with other tongues, it is a means of supernatural 
edification and charging up or building up yourself on your most holy faith. It is an equipping of the spirit that empowers you to be a witness for Jesus in Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Its benefits go beyond our comprehension. But because the church hasn't been taught like it should be taught, it's been neglected. And you want to talk about the last day revival? It's not going to be because we're so smart. It's going to be because of dunamis. Miracle working power. The glory of God falling upon the entire nation. As God's people stop trying to do it in their own strength and ability. And just let it go man. Pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm standing in faith for this nation Father. And then you know what? You go off in other tongues. I'm telling you right now. You're praying the perfect will of God. And again it's not just for the nation. For your marriage. For your children. And the list goes right on down. That's all of it in a nutshell. <laughs> There's a whole lot more. but <laughs> Amen.